Welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Steve Piasecki Podcast. Dead Stripper is the first book in the Steve Piasecki series, but a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, into Chapter 8 of Dead Stripper, where we watch a charade develop at Jess's party where Steve and Margo pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend, or are they pretending? Scene 29, 7.56 p.m., Radnor House Condominiums. I pull off Lancaster Avenue and start heading up a long driveway. I pass the main entrance and pull into a spot just around the bend. I take out my cell phone to make a call, but immediately hear a gentle rapping on the passenger's window. I look outside. It's dark, but there's just enough light to see Margot's face. She's smiling, so I lower the window. I was just going to call you, I say. Were you waiting long? I just got here and I saw you pulling in. How'd you know it was me? A girlfriend, she says with a flirtatious smile, knows what kind of vehicle her boyfriend drives. Jess told you. And a lot more. Another one of those smiles. Well, you got the advantage on me. Seems like you know a lot more about me than I know about you. Other than you're quite pretty. Flattery, she says with another smile, will get you everywhere. Compliments come few and far between these days. That's hard to believe. I'll meet you around back. I close the window, exit the envoy, and meet around back. You're right on time, she says. Out of character for me. How so? When it comes to anything business related, I make it a point to be early. But anything social, I don't really give a shit when I get there. But in your case, I didn't want to make you wait. Does that mean I'm business? Or should I consider myself special? So my imagination, was she flirting with me? Consider yourself special, I say with a smile of my own. Now, changing the subject, I'm flipping coins. About what? I have no idea if we can pull off this boyfriend and girlfriend business. So I am just business. You took that out of context. If you say so, she smiles. Here's what I was trying to say. Even if we can't convince everyone that we're boyfriend and girlfriend, what do you get out of it? What do I get out of it? And what's the point of this masquerade? By asking those questions, you already missed the point, which is, what does Jess get out of it? What does she get out of it? In a nutshell, she's pissed at Pablo. That's her boyfriend, right? Right. So she's suddenly hot for you, and she wants to do some comparison shopping. So this is a meat market with the boyfriend and me hanging on racks, figuratively speaking? Now you got it. How do you feel about that? You know, being an integral part of the plot and all. I think it's hilarious. Jess is my best friend, and I love her dearly. But if anyone else asks me to do something this stupid, I tell them to fuck off. Pardon my French. Don't worry, I know plenty of French. On the one hand, she says, I refuse to believe this will work the way she thinks it will. Yet, on the other hand, I can't wait to see how it does play out. I mean, my sixth sense tells me it's it's not going to go smooth. Well, we'll find out soon enough. But I have a few questions, you know, things that I'd know if we were boyfriend and girlfriend. She gives me another one of those smiles. Fire away. How do we meet? I called for an Uber one night and you picked me up. I was going from my place to the grog. Perfect irony. Indeed, 
We started talking. You mentioned something about getting ready to quit for the night. I found you attractive, so I suggested quitting right then and there and joining me for a drink. Jess did tell you what. She sure did. And comes another one of those smiles. You quit driving, we stopped for a drink. But you got a lot more than a drink. I'd like to find out more about that. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. How old are you? Jess and I are both 29. We've known each other since kindergarten. We graduated from high school in Phoenixville, then she went to art school in Philly. What about you? I graduated from Drexel. Huh, so my new girlfriend's a genius. I'm not your stereotypical blonde, that's for sure. Major? Computer science. You are a genius. Where do you work? I work for Comcast in Center City, in the new building, programming software. Ever been engaged or married? No to both. Do you want to get married? Are you asking? She stares at me with a straight face, but she can't hold it for long. <laughs> if I meet the right man, sure, who doesn't? And if you don't meet the right man, I'm independent. I enjoy living by myself. What about kids? Like I said, if I meet the right man, sure, kids would be nice. If not, no big deal. Where do you live? Radcliffe House, right around the corner on Conestoga Road. I know exactly where that is. Looks expensive. A one bedroom goes for $1,300. I can afford it. I hate paying that much for rent. Don't get me wrong, my unit's nice, but I'm thinking about buying a condo in Center City when the lease runs out. Where do you live? Clifton Heights. She doesn't react. Don't know where that is, do you? I heard of it. It's on the other side of the tracks from you main liners. I'm from Phoenixville, <laughs> remember? Oh uh, yeah, almost forgot. My turn. I still need to know more about you. Shoot. Let's walk and talk. She starts leading the way. Jess told me you're some sort of writer, aspiring writer. I wrote a bunch of stories, six so far, but unfortunately, nothing's published yet. What do you write about? Mystery stories. I like mysteries. Are they sexy mysteries? And she smiles. Not really. The magazines I'm going for are G-rated. Too bad. I enjoy graphic sex. Another smile. We reach the entrance, I open the glass door, and we enter. A uniformed doorman steps up to us. Good evening, Miss Margot. Miss Jessica told me to expect you. Good evening, Fritz. And your gentleman companion, he looks at me. His name's Steve. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Steve. Steve, Margot says, meet Fritz. My pleasure, Fritz, and we shake hands. Then Margot leads the way across the lobby. We reach the elevator, she presses the button. How old are you, she asks me. Be 34 on my next birthday. Have you ever been engaged or married? No. Do you want to? You asking? I smile. The elevator arrives. When the door opens, we step aboard. Nice twist, she says, then presses the button for our floor. I'm normal, but for now, becoming a published writer is everything. That's the cake. Marriage and kids are the icing. Good luck, and I'm serious. Thanks. Do we need some sort of signal or password? For what? In case our charade bombs and we have to haul ass. Ah, code word. Sure, why not? Any suggestions? I just saw a rerun of Frasier last night. Rosie Perez was a guest star. You're familiar with the show, right? Sure, watch it with my mother all the time. Well, she was Frasier's blind date. Roz set it up and she gave them both code words, you know, in case one didn't like the other one. What were their code words? Rosie's was super and Frasier's was enchante. Let's go with enchante. Okay with me. A bell rings when the elevator reaches our floor. This is for good luck, I say, then give her a quick kiss on the lips, which catches her by surprise. So much so, she's still staring at me when the elevator door opens. 
Same to you, she says, but the look on her face tells me she's confused. Like she's trying to figure out if the kiss meant anything or not. Which way, I ask. Turn left. It's the last unit on the right. I step off the elevator and wait for her. Then we turn left and start walking. Do you think we should hold hands, she asks me. Scene 30. At the same time. Jess is squeezing a lime over a large bowl of guacamole. The lime's cut in half and she's squeezing by hand. She sets the lime on a cutting board, then starts mixing the guacamole with a large wooden spoon. She stops stirring after 20 seconds and licks the spoon. Not bad. She picks up the lime and squeezes out the last few drops. Then comes some more mixing and another taste. Just right. She sets the lime on the cutting board, then she turns on the faucet, rinses the wooden spoon, and sets it on the drain board. She wipes her hands, picks up the bowl of guacamole, and carries it into the living room. Bon Jovi's It's My Life is playing at a volume set low enough to support normal conversation. Jess places the guacamole on the coffee table, next to a pile of buffalo wings, and in between bowls of nacho chips and potato chips. Artichoke dip and a platter of bread tidbits sit next to a large bowl of homemade salsa. The shredded chicken's almost ready, she announces. The party's small number. Jess's boyfriend Pablo and two couples. Ginger and Gary are married. Diane and Jim live together. All are dressed casually in jeans and sweaters, except for Jess. She's all in black and looks sexy in an off-the-shoulder mesh top, skin-tight slacks, and spiked heels. The doorbell rings. I got it, Jess says, then starts walking towards the door. Margo and I are holding hands when the door opens. This is Steve, Margo pretends to introduce me, the man I've been telling you about. Pleased to meet you, Steve. Likewise, I smile. Margo gives me a quick kiss on the lips. I just put the food out, Jess says. Come in. We enter. You know everybody here, Jess tells Margo, then shuts the door. Go in and introduce Steve. I got one more dish in the oven. Scene 31, 10 minutes later. Who at the dogs out starts playing? I'm sitting at the dining room table with Gary, Jim, and Jess's boyfriend, Pablo. We're sampling everything, drinking beer, and talking in between bites. What do you do? Gary asked me. I drive for Uber for now. And later? What's that? You said you drive for Uber for now. What happens later? Oh, that. My dream's being a mystery writer. No shit, Gary says. That sounds cool. Not so cool right now. I'm still referred to as unpublished. I'm still trying to break my cherry, but it's a bitch. Hang in there, Pablo says. Anything worth doing comes with a price. So I hear. By the way, what do you do? I own my own company. It's a startup. I'm making some progress, slow but sure, so I can relate to your growing pains. What kind of company? Software development. What kind of software? You ask a lot of questions. Comes with the territory. That's what writers do. That's how you learn shit. If it bothers you, I'll stop. No, I get it. It's like this. I design proprietary software using artificial intelligence to collect and codify data. Sounds impressive. What kind of data? Whatever kind my clients need. Careful, Gary warns me. If you show too much interest, they'll talk you into investing in his company. Is that right? Yeah, Jim and I are already investing. Scene 32. At the same time, Diane and Ginger are sitting on a sofa in the living room. Margo and Jess are sitting in armchairs at opposite ends of the sofa. The chairs are turned to face the sofa to create a conversation area. How did you two meet? Diane asked Margo. I called for an Uber one night. Steve showed up. You could say, one thing just led to another. So, he's an Uber driver, Jess plays along. Interesting. 
For now, Margo smiles, but he's not just an Uber driver. He wants to be a writer. What kind of writer, Ginger asks. He writes mystery stories. I like mysteries, Diane says. How old is he? He'll be 34 on his next birthday. And good-looking, Diane says, if you ask me. I think so. Margo smiles, then looks at Jess. What do you think, Jess? Too bad you saw him first. Scene 32, a moment later. I take the last swallow from my bottle of beer. Steve just calls out, there's more beer in the refrigerator, just help yourself. Thanks, don't mind if I do. I get up, start walking with the empty, and quickly reach the kitchen. Scene 33, back in the living room. Jess stands up and says, I better show him where it is. He can probably find the refrigerator on his own, Margo says. I'm sure he can, but we recycle, and I want to make sure the empty goes where it belongs. Scene 34, out in the kitchen. I'm opening the refrigerator door when I feel two hands suddenly gripping the sides of my thighs from behind. I turn and find myself looking into Jess's eyes. I want you so bad. Then she starts kissing me. I enjoy the affection for a good two seconds, then pull back suddenly. What about, we're safe? They're all busy out there. Hope you're right. It drove me crazy when I saw you two holding hands. Then comes another quick kiss. Even worse when I saw Margot kiss you. Jess kisses me again. On the one hand, I'm enjoying this. But on the other hand, I'm keeping one eye open, staring at the doorway, and hoping nobody walks in on us. I never did anything like this before. Then Jess gives me another kiss. And the risk of getting caught is really turning me on. I'd like to do you right here on the floor, right now. Scene 35. At the same time. Anybody want a refill? Margot asks. You flying? Diane asks. That I am. Margot stands up. What are you drinking? Yellowtail. Diane hands her the empty glass. Ginger? No thanks, I'm good for now. Margot pivots and heads toward the kitchen, carrying the two empty wine glasses. I'm rounding my corner on the way out of the kitchen and come face to face with Margot. Wow! Almost a head-on collision. Close enough for this. Margot kisses me on the lips. Not a long kiss, not a short kiss, but a kiss with a loud smacking of lips. Did Jess teach you how to recycle? Of course I did. Jess's Joyce comes from right behind me, and a split second later she's standing right next to me. That's why I put your empty in the blue bucket under the sink. I wasn't really paying attention. Then I give Margot a peck on the cheek and head back out to where the guys are hanging out. Margot continues into the kitchen. Jess follows Margot and catches up. She steps right in front of her and glares into her eyes. What's your game? What are you talking about? All the kissing. I feel like wringing your fucking neck. We're acting like boyfriend and girlfriend, just like you asked us to. What's your problem? Make sure it's just acting. No more kissing. Get over it. This was all your idea, not mine, remember? I'm just going with the flow. Whatever. And speaking about acting, Margot sets the two empty wine glasses on the counter. How about acting like a hostess and get us two yellowtails, please? You know where it is. Jess gives Margot a dirty look, then brushes past her on her way out of the kitchen. Margot refills both glasses, then she returns to the living room and hands one of the glasses of wine to Diane. Thank you, Diane says. Anytime. Margot sips her wine, then raises her voice. Jess, did you put in an application at New Place in Ardmore? What new place? A new place. I think it's called Enchante. And that's the end of Chapter 8. Join us next time for Chapter 9, where we take a ride on the elevator with Steve and Margot, and we find out if they're just pretending to be boyfriend and girlfriend.